about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. There has been news that has shook up the landscape of college football. News that has forever left college football changed. And that is very minor recruiting updates on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Because we are the only thing that matters in this sport. I'm Dylan, joined by Steve. Welcome to the Four Horsemen podcast. We are, of course, the most biased propaganda pretty much parody account at this point. Um, <laughs> obviously, there's some big news going on with conference realignment. We'll talk about that at the end because we're Notre Dame. We care about what some, you know, offensive lineman from Indiana is doing with his recruitment more than we care about some regional program like Texas. Have you ever even heard of Texas? No, not even close. Never heard of I feel of like them. they were good maybe a long time ago or something. Yeah. Definitely not back. (laughs) So we got a bonus off-season podcast for you guys. We're going to do some recruiting. It's going to be a nice, fairly short episode, hopefully. Um, Talk about what's happened since we've last been with you um, and what the remaining targets look like for the Notre Dame 2022 recruiting class. For those who are not following as closely as some of us, Marcus Freeman is God. God. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have no words for it. He's just phenomenal. He connects with kids. He flips kids last minute. He steals them from the backyard of all the Ohio State Buckeyes. Like, he is a phenomenal coach, a phenomenal recruiter, and it is really paying off. So basically what we're seeing, Notre Dame is poised for probably its best recruiting class under Brian Kelly if it could finish strong. Key words there are finish strong because back the offense attacked them. Not not to get too ahead of ourselves, but we are poised for back-to-back best recruiting classes of all and, time. And that's a great point, Steve, because the as so we were raving, what, like six months ago about how good the 2021 class was. The 2022 class is probably twice as good, and the 2023 class might be even better than the 2022 class because we've started off with an absolute bang there. So let's just get into it. Let's talk about who we've uh, earned commitments from since we've last spoke with you guys um first about two days after our last podcast um high four-star mike linebacker junior tui halamaka a former usc commit has picked the irish he was the third linebacker of the class um steve what are your thoughts on this player and what this commitment means for notre dame hate to compliment that team on the west coast uh but historically they have done pretty darn good at recruiting some linebackers um so for us to go into usc's backyard in you know out of california and pull a guy that i mean he he projects to be very very good like crazy athletic i i don't know i mean I, i don't see how I mean, this is just a something normally that we won't get. We will get your typical linebacker from middle America. We won't get a linebacker usually from California, Texas, or Florida. 
I mean, there's obviously the exceptions to the rule, uh, but we we're used to getting you know kind of hardier players, um, you know, but still some damn good athletes. Think of like Jalen and, and Niles Morgan and everything. But those guys are Midwest guys. Uh, I mean, th- this is he's going to bring just a different sort of look to the defense, being you know a, a coastal guy r- going up against run and shoot spread offenses out west. Um, but still having you know some juice on his bones. I mean, he he's a guy that can lay the lumber, but he can he's also very athletic, and, and I see him as a sideline to sideline guy. I mean, he's going to be absolutely huge in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting you see him that way. Um, I think of him athletic in like a powerful downhill sense, um, mm-hmm. but with Matt Bayless's strength and conditioning program, you could be right. He could be a sideline to sideline guy. I project him more as a pure Mike. But he's got the football intelligence and I think the passion for Notre Dame to become a legend at the school. I think he's got a very high floor. You know what I mean? I think he's not a boomer bust like, um, let's say, Nolan Ziegler. Like, Nolan Ziegler is an extremely athletic linebacker. But there's a higher bust potential there, I think, than Junior Tula Halamaka just because he's so good at playing football. And I really like what I see from him when I've watched his tape. Is that kind of the vibe you get as well? For sure. And and just to kind of clarify a little bit more, I, I am in total agreement with you more so in the pure Mike standpoint. But I'm I, when I say sideline to sideline, I don't think it's more so closing speed, but it's the mentality and the brain and, and the vision that he has of what's unfolding in front of him, where he's going to have the reaction time to get outside of the tackle box and make those plays. So, you know, he's probably not going to be the fastest guy in the field, but intelligence along with the body build, I think is going to make him a, a versatile tackler. So just to kind of clarify, but yeah, I mean, everything that you're saying I'm in agreement with. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's almost I mean, at a 0.9542 conglomerate score. I mean, that's like, the, like to your point, those are almost can't miss picks or can't miss uh, recruits. So very high expectations for junior, not to put them too high on him, but I mean, basically what I'm getting at is he's going to be a stud. Yeah, I could see him getting the getting the field early. Um, he was at one point the number one inside linebacker per rivals. I mean, he took a little bit of a tumble right before his commitment. Um, naturally. Naturally, you know, stuff happens. Um, but look, we went into USC territory, took a kid from Southern California who was committed to the University of Southern California. And we did the same thing a couple months earlier with Josh Burnham um, out of Michigan, right? He grew up a Michigan fan, and we went into the state and took him from the Wolverines. Notre Dame's just kind of dominating their rivals right now. If you look at the recruiting battles, and we'll get to that in a minute, it's Notre Dame's biggest recruiting rival right now is Ohio State. That is who we are locked horns with. It's not Michigan anymore. I don't even know. I can't even think of any actual battles remaining on the 2022 board or the 2023 class that Michigan is involved with other than Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback in the 23 class. That's just how we've blown past Michigan. That's kind of where we are as a program right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely on the up and up. And and the fact that we are competing hand-in-hand like every step of the way and are projecting to beat Ohio State in a – a few very very key you know recruits um it's scary it's scary legitimately you might look back at last year and this year as the two years that changed notre dame for the next two decades there's no reason there's no reason we can't be the next clemson alabama ohio state you know we could be that perennial national contender um so let's move on um 
people were getting really hasty with the offensive recruiting because um, they had missed on some targets. So, for example, Joe Brunner commits to Wisconsin. It uh, looks like uh, Notre Dame's losing out on Hinsman. And then a longtime lean, and someone we'll talk about in a minute, Billy Shrouth um, had almost flipped to Wisconsin, and the Notre Dame staff was working hard to flip him back. So, basically, these offensive line struggles led Notre Dame to offer an in-state kid who was a three-star recruit at the time. He is still on composite, although 24-7 has themselves have bumped him up to a four-star. Ashton Craig, uh, he's going to play center or guard for Notre Dame. Um, his coaches liked a few of our tweets. I'm pretty high on this guy. I think he is the complete Midwestern bread and butter offensive lineman that Notre Dame likes. Whether he starts one day, which I think he can, or whether he's, you know, a perennial backup, he's that depth that you're going to need at this program. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a uh, a low four star, high three star. You know, kind of however it it plays out with the composite rankings. I think he'll he'll probably be close to a four, all things considered, at the end, but. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong and, and nothing uncommon whatsoever about a guy sitting for three years on the offensive line. You know, he might not see time as a, until he's a redshirted junior or redshirted senior, entirely possible or even probable at this point. But the point is, is you know, uh, to to harp on the points we've made in the past, don't be scared away by the stars. Antonio Brown was a three star. Right. Like you can three star just means they have they have upside potential. They just need time to develop. Give this kid time to develop. We obviously know we have plenty of recruits uh, and commits on the offensive line that are making their way through now, just now, like in this year. So uh, there's no reason to be low on him. I'm I'm high on him for sure, especially after he just got upgraded to a four star. That just that means that people are seeing that. He has the potential to shine down the road. It's probably going to take him some time to get onto the field, but I he does project to be probably a, a late career starter. Yep, no, I think that's right. And, and you know, people say stars don't matter, which is partially true. There is a strong relationship, like statistically, between uh, class rankings and competition winning games. So there is that relationship there, right? You want more four stars and three stars. You want more five stars and as much as you can. But look, there's always going to be the JOK. There's always going to be, like you said, Antonio Brown. There's always going to be Will Fuller. Will Fuller was one of the lowest ranked wide receivers in his class. Mm-hmm. That's always going to happen. Stars are not definitive, but they are a good benchmark for overall program health. That's why we were tweeting a little bit about blue chip prospect ratio, um, which is a stat. It's basically how many four and five stars you guys you have divide it by how many guys are in the class. And if your percentage is above 50, you have a, a chance historically to win a national championship. That's just historically teams have been over 50, 55% have won titles. No team has done it without. And that's just a good benchmark. That doesn't mean every class, for example, last class, our blue chip ratio was lower because we had 27 kids in the class, right? That doesn't mean just because that one class had a below 50% ratio that the class wasn't good. No, what it just means is as a whole, when you look back at a program four and five years later, if they are on aggregate, you're going to hit more than you miss, right? So if you're on aggregate above that 55, ideally 60% ratio, you are going to be a top contender. And I think that's what Ashton Craig kind of contributes to, right? He's one of those guys that could be a four-star, and if he isn't, could completely upset the star system altogether. So it's not definitive. Um, But, you know, speaking of someone who is kind of in that same boat, Notre Dame gets one of many defensive back commits in the month, the end of June or early July. Um, Jaden Bellamy from New Jersey, 
um, flexibility there to play safety and corner. I believe he was recorded recruited as a corner. Um, do you have any kind of thoughts on on this commitment for for Notre Dame? Yeah, what is his height here? B E L L. Here we are. So Jaden Bellamy, I'd say he's five eleven and one seventy five. Um, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. It, I think he's he's probably uh, a little bit more well suited for the slot than he would be the boundary. Um, and he's a he's a burner too. He can cover he, in space. Yeah. So uh, I mean, he is a again one of those three star guys that are kind of just creeping up towards becoming a five star. It's it's going to take him some time, most likely. Uh, Julian Love, another example of a three star guy. Uh, so again, uh, it, he, I think he has a lot to prove for himself. Uh, and but but the potential is definitely there. Uh, the size I. He's outside of the normal prototype of Notre Dame, which is usually about 6'1", 190, is, is kind of what they go for in corners. Um, but at, at the very least, you know, he, he's got an offer from a team that has played in two of the last three playoffs. He like he's a serious guy. He's a you know. There's no reason to think again just because of of uh, stars uh, that that he's not capable. And it you know it might take him some time, but it is what it is. He's he's a guy that's got to put in his put in his due work and and just prove himself. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on to another corner um, corner safety um, who Notre Dame's recruiting to play corner, who I think might be one of the most underrated players in this class, and that is Devin Moore. Um, Notre Dame beat out the Gators, I believe, um, for this commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy a lot of people love. A lot of people like his uh, coverage ability. They like the fact that he's not afraid of contact. Um, what do you think kind of Devin Moore brings to this class into this much needed uh, corner group? I mean, he's from South Florida, speed. I mean, he so he he was an SEC guy all all through and through. I mean, he had an offer from Cincinnati, but like the the big outside of obviously committing to ND, the big three offers he got uh, among a bunch of other ones were Florida, Auburn, Alabama. I mean, yep. come on, like we're 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 going into SEC territory and pulling up a six three one hundred ninety pound defensive back uh, out of South Florida. The guy is probably going to absolutely fly. Uh, and, and everyone has been very high on him. There's been great, great reports. Everyone is saying he is a four star. He has that upside potential and he's destined quote unquote to be on the field sooner rather than later. So, uh, he's, he is definitely very exciting. And I think uh, to mirror your sentiment, uh, undervalued as it stands right now, you know, I'm not saying he plays like this guy at all or there's any other kind of comparisons but does he not remind you a little bit of ryan bo barnes where he's underrated and a lot of good teams wanted him and he is going to be very good at notre dame oh yeah absolutely uh and and if if he bills out to be even you know half of of what the uh the man coverage skills of bo barnes would be then i mean we're gonna have a, a secondary that's not going to be trifled with in in a, in a few years now yeah well that was just the beginning of the exciting month of july because i think notre dame got their top guy in the recruiting class and dare i say i think he might be the top guy by the time this class is done and that's saying a lot considering the targets we're after 
five star in my opinion. He's still a four star, but he will get that five star status. Jalen Sneed out of South Carolina, um, linebacker, can play the rover, can play will. SEC talent through and through, twitchy, physical. You see clips from his camp at Rivals, at the Rivals camp. You see him at the Under Armour camp. Fantastic athlete. Um, do you have any any kind of thoughts here when it comes to Jalen Sneed? My first thought is he lived on and went to school in Hilton Head Island, which is my favorite place on earth. So I already love him um, <laughs> because that's what matters in, in college football. Right. Uh, but he, he is a little bit undersized you know, at 6'2", 210, but every bit, every moment of tape that you watch of this kid, you're just you know that you got something special. Uh, you, you can you can always throw on weight, but you cannot teach speed, veracity, and 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 the mental acuity of the game, which this kid has in spades. So, yep. yeah, I mean, when when you think again, like a Niles Morgan, a Manti Teo, a, a you know Jeremiah Uso Koromoa, think of all the greats we've had recently. He's gonna build upon and expound upon that, and potentially be better than all of them. Yeah, well, he joins a class with Junior Tui Halamaka. Uh, Joshua Burnham, whom people might be even sleeping on just because he happened a while ago, but he was a massive recruit. And then Nolan Ziegler, I think that is by far the best linebacking group in the country, bar none. Oh, and 100%. I think it's one of the best linebacking groups recruited. Like, I, you'd have to go back to find four guys who are as athletic and as talented at their positions. Um, but that's Marcus Freeman, right? Marcus, nobody thought we had a shot with Jalen Sneed or Joshua Burnham or even Junior Tui Halamaka until Marcus Freeman got involved. And um, and that just says it, right? That just says it right there. So Notre Dame gets its last commit of the 2022 class up until this point with um, four-star corner Benjamin Morrison, who at one point was leaning Notre Dame, went leaned back to Washington, his dream school. And then Coach Freeman talked him back into committing to Notre Dame. This is I believe the fourth corner of the class. And I think this is one of the biggest gets of the class too, because Notre Dame needed to add it more quality to the corner group. And I think Benjamin Morrison is absolutely that. Yeah. Yeah. We needed as much depth as we possibly could get. And again, he's right along more. So the, the prototype that we look for six foot and a half, 175. by the time he steps on campus, he'll probably be, Six one one eighty five, uh, and then he can continue to kind of just build up his speed and mechanics and and everything from there. So, uh, the the more four star cornerbacks we have, the less chance um, that we're gonna see a repeat performance from someone like uh, whoever that wide receiver was, Devonta Smith. I'm just I'm trying to put it out of my head. Right. But yeah. Basically, yeah. Well, that's the one. Basically, we're stacking up on talent, and and Morrison. Is a, is a huge get. Yeah, that's the one area where Notre Dame's defense has been lacking in recruitment has been corner. And between four this year and four last year, that makes eight for two years. I still think you should go out and get three corners every year because it's such an important position, but it allows the coaching staff to narrow in on their top targets, right? It can allow you to focus on that five-star, four-star guy to complement the classes you have instead of needing to go get you know, your, your in-betweeners to fill out a class because you have that depth now. And that's that's a benefit. And being done so early can help that coaching staff build relationships with a 23 class. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like exactly. You build the depth now, you build the foundation, and then you reach for the superstars. 
Exactly. So that brings our current class to 19 commits. We did have a decommitment from Darren Agu, who had committed hastily to Notre Dame. He then decommitted and committed to Vanderbilt. Uh, Clark Lee stole him. Uh, apparently, depth chart was a main concern for him. Completely understandable. As someone who was doing recruitment himself, albeit not in an athletic sense, I understand trying to find a fit that's best for your um you know your needs and as i said that i just got an email from a lawyer so um i think the target group is 26 to 28 i think that is i think it's gonna be a bigger class i think notre dame is going to succeed more than they thought and i think that's the number coach kelly and co are thinking of we are currently Mm -hmm. third at 24 7 composite score we will jump Penn State again once we catch up. They're two ahead of us, but they're barely ahead of us in the rankings. But look, Alabama is going to catch us. LSU is going to catch us. We have a shot at a top five class. And part of that is who we lost out on. So we lost out on the three big running backs. This has, of course, been a big story this summer. It was a big story last year with Will Shipley. And I told you guys then, and I told you now, it doesn't matter. <laughs> You can get a kid off of the practice squad who will get similar results in the same circumstances. That's just because running game is largely dictated by other factors than the running back, such as the offensive line, such as defensive personnel, importantly, right? How is the box stacked? That doesn't mean there isn't difference for athletic skill. Of course, you want the highest rated guys. You want the most talented guys because the difference can be, you know, making a cut and finding that hole. Right, That could be the game difference. You could have everything else the same between two running backs, but that one running back who can do that could change the change the game. So, of course, you want the best running backs. But the point is, it's not the end of the world when you strike out because we got Jadarian Price, who is a very good four-star running back. So Notre Dame loses out on Dallin Hayden, Ohio State. They lost out on Gavin Sawchuck to Oklahoma. That was expected. And Nicholas Singleton had leaned Notre Dame before going back to Penn State. So Notre Dame struck out. It looks like they are not going for another running back in this class. I am personally okay with that because yeah, that's perfectly our, fine. Our numbers are getting way too high, and I don't want to put a second scholarship on a running back when we're so deep already. Let's just keep Jadarian Price, keep him happy, bring him to the class, and let's allocate that somewhere else. We also lost out, uh, like I mentioned, Joe Broder on the offensive line, but a surprise one, Nicholas Anderson, a longtime leaning Notre Dame receiver, um, four-star, all of a sudden committed to Oregon out of nowhere is what it is. He was Notre Dame's, I think, third target. Notre Dame wants to bring in four receivers. You know, that that's a that's a hurt to the to the coaching staff. They wanted him, but look, there's lots of good targets out there. And that's not even getting into next year's class. So I feel pretty good about those losses as they are. Yes, Notre Dame needs to finish offensively. I can hear the listeners screaming, the defense is kicking the offense's butt. Well, look there's still lots of time to go. If Notre Dame finishes on who they're leading for, and we're going to get into that in a moment, Notre Dame is going to end with a phenomenal offensive and defensive class. So before we get into remaining targets, 2023, I don't want to distract anyone too much, but we had two huge recruits, just unbelievably huge. First commit of the class, Keon Keeley. This kid is currently ranked as a four-star. I mean, the rankings are barely out yet. So none of that really means much, but he is an athletic viper who is going to dominate in his following high school seasons. He could be a five-star by the time he's at Notre Dame. Two days later, maybe the biggest recruiting win Notre Dame has had since Manti Teo, and that is five-star 
defensive end from Mentor, Ohio, Brennan Vernon picks the Irish over the hometown Buckeyes. That is a, an area where the Buckeyes have dominated. They always dominate Ohio. They do excellent in that area. And Ohio State, if anything, is defensive line university. So for a defensive end who's going to play more of the power end, strong end position at Notre Dame to turn down his in-state school, his school his parents cheer for, his friends cheer for, and to trail, to blaze his own trail at Notre Dame says an insurmountable amount about that kid. I, I think he is going to be a fan favorite. Do you have any thoughts on those two big recruiting wins? Both of them are 6'5". Uh, Keeley's 230. Vernon is 245. Keeley started as like, uh, you know, basically like a, a 900, um, you know, rating uh, on the composite. It's now up to 0.9294. So he's already rising as it stands now. He's up to 191 nationally. Not it, it's incredibly reasonable to think that he could potentially crack the top 150 or top 100 anytime you have anybody from the, uh, as a top 150 commit. They are the absolute real deal. And then Vernon is a top 25 player in the nation. He's ranked 19th. And and I mean, you think about Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, you, um, the other guy who plays on the Washington Redskins now which, uh, from a couple of years back. I mean, like this Chase, exactly yeah. like you. Yeah, exactly. I mean. They just churn out unbelievable defensive ends from Ohio State. So this is a absurd victory for us. That could again, it's so much momentum is being built that if we can build a class this year, uh, and we're going to obviously finish up on on the targets for this year as well as next year uh, with with all the momentum we have. If we have a 10, 11, 12 win season. If we, if we flirt with the playoffs, if we're on the national stage and we can prove, you know, we've got some staying power and that, you know, our recruiting over the past couple of years is finally caught up and, and we're, we're there, we're at the top of the mountain or, or at least close to the peak. I mean, it, like, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Like I mentioned at the beginning, but things are happening. Things are scary. Uh, but yeah, there, there's, uh, there's something in the air currently that that is palpable that you can feel like this, this could be the turning point for the program. Yeah, and what's scary is Brennan Vernon is not the only five-star Notre Dame might beat Ohio State for from the state of Ohio, and, and he's not even the best thing. recruit that we targeted. Oh man, I, I, oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but things are a changing at Notre Dame. All right, let's play a game, Steve. We're going to go rapid fire here. I've picked out the remaining targets. I think Notre Dame will take seven to nine of them. I will say who they are, who the teams are for them. You tell me, A, how important they are to the class for you, and B, if you think Notre Dame will land them. All good? Yeah. All right, but to clarify to our listeners, we're just two idiots. We're not journalists. We do not have sources. We consume the media. We break it down for you in a digestible way that's entertaining and that's thoughtful. So please do not be like, hey, who are your sources? We don't have any. We're just idiots, okay? Hmm. These are guesses, educated guesses. All right, now the parameters have been set. We'll start with the defense. Safety, and the really the only safety Notre Dame has a shot at here in this class, Xavier Nwankpa. Um, between Notre Dame and Ohio State. If if we are going to steal a top 50 recruit, if we're going to grab one, not only is he the most important, I also think he's the most likely. Yeah. He's an Ohio State lean. 
as it stands right now. He's the 58th ranked player in the in the nation uh, at a 97.57 you know, rating. Right, he's incredible. Uh, basically, you know, he's technically a four star. He he is uh, practically a five. Um, safety, you know, building up the 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 secondary is obviously a huge concern. We know we're going to be okay on the defensive line. We know we're going to be okay on the offensive line. Um, you know, we we know the positions that Notre Dame is kind of entrenched in at this point. We're, we have a you know, we're building up that secondary, and and Marcus Freeman is notorious for having an incredible pass defense, and I think that's going to kind of going to be the delineating factor here that is really going to give us a, a good chance to land him. And if we do, I mean, think like Kyle Hamilton 2.0. Yep, that's that's my pitch, and I think Notre Dame's going to win this one. And the reason I think Notre Dame's going to win is. Would you rather be the sixth DB at Ohio State, or would you rather be the one safety at Notre Dame and heir to the Kyle Hamilton throne? And you're not Kyle Hamilton. Don't get me wrong. You're going to be your own player, but you're going to take over those shoes. You're going to be the safety. You're going to be the dog in the in the backfield. And I yeah. I think I think that's going to sell. And maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but I think Xavier Nwanka will be a Notre Dame commit by the end of this whole thing. Agree. All right. Moving next, I think the next biggest defensive commit, or sorry, defensive target, Anthony Lucas, defensive line, can do both defensive tackle and defensive end. Um, We don't really know much, but it sounds like Notre Dame has been the leader for a while here. So what do you got, Steve? Yeah, this guy is like, it's all quiet on the Western front, right? I mean, he has so many quote unquote, you know, top choices i think he's he's somewhere around eight uh schools currently that he's considering um and he's been there pretty much every step of the way top 100 guy defensive tackle six five two eighty uh, out of arizona i mean we have just as good of a chance to land him as anybody else and and what i'd like to think about is one what's the depth chart looking like who's ahead of the guy and two what's the supporting cast around him that's going to draw this guy there between next year's class and the two defensive ends we just discussed, massive commits, as well as historically the defensive end commits that we've had and the, and, and the you know the defensive line commits we've had, it's a very 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 solid position. I think he has the chance to get on this on the field before his junior year, probably as a true sophomore, if I were to guess. So he has a chance at early playing time. He's got an incredible cast of characters around him great coaching staff and every school of his is spread throughout the country. So I don't think it's really going to be comes down to region or location for him. He's open to whatever. The fact that there's been really no word yet is, is kind of driving me crazy, but I, I would give ourselves a pretty darn good chance to, to land this kid, just given kind of the factors that I played out in my head. I think, I think Notre Dame is the leader. Um, but that's going to take a while, and I would never bet against Mike Elston and Marcus Freeman. So I'll leave it at that. Um, next up, a recent offer. After Darren Agu decommitted, Notre Dame offered Hero Canoe, a defensive tackle, who had released his top nine. Notre Dame offered him a few days later, and he updated that to a top ten. <laughs> and from what is out there, at least the word on the street is, Notre Dame just didn't make his top 10. Notre Dame immediately started inside the top three. So I believe this is an Ohio State-Notre Dame battle. I Way too early for me to say anything. Ohio State's been on him way longer, but the way he's been receptive of Notre Dame could benefit the Irish. Um, 
do you kind of have any thoughts here or, you know, just kind of another big defensive line target for Notre Dame to get? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, everything I said uh, just now about Lucas is, is going to pretty much apply to Hiro Kanu. Um, you know, notable offers, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. And for us to be competing with them and to be instantly thrust into the top three, if if that ends up being true, again, I think it's saying a lot about the program, the coaching staff, and, and what we've been building upon. So uh, if, if it's either or, it's probably going to be one or the other between Lucas and, and Hiro Kanu. I don't foresee it's, pro- it's going to be both, but who knows? We might be pleasantly surprised. I'll take either one. You know they're yeah. they're pre- pretty identical in nature. Hiro Kanu, ironically, is from Germany, and just yes, and he just moved out to California to play last year, uh, which obviously, or I think for this season more accurately, because obviously last year was canceled by and large for for California. So, um, so yeah, he's a he's a European product that's a lot more raw. But they're just saying that he's such a physical specimen that his his upside projection is basically off the charts. That's amazing. Um, all right, last defensive or sorry, last defensive line target, um, Cyrus Moss, borderline five star defensive end to play Viper um, between no- Notre Dame and Oregon. What do you? Th- how important is he for the class? Keep in mind who we've already got in the class and who's in the class behind him, and. Do you think Notre Dame has a shot here? I would have been a lot more. I would have said that his importance would be kind of through the roof had we not gotten the commits that we have for 2023. He would still be a massive pickup. I mean, he's an unbelievable. He's a freak. I'm, I'm just looking now. He's uh, 6'6", 220 pounds out of Bishop Gorman in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is a, a very – that's where we had um, – Alize Jones turned Alize Mack uh, out of so like it's it's a great school they they churn out NFL products on the regular um, so yeah would I be thrilled if we got him absolutely he you know, he would be a, probably an early on starter as well just what he projects to be he's basically a five star uh, if we don't land him it's not the end of the world he is an Oregon lean but it's not. He's not trending Oregon like he's basically locked up. He's he seems to be still kind of riding everything out. But uh, I, on a scale from, I'd say we have maybe a thirty percent chance to land him, and on a scale from one to ten, his importance is maybe a six. Yeah, I I think he's less important now. I'd still take him for sure. I just think we're pretty locked up at Viper, and I I don't really think we have a shot here anymore. Maybe we do. Um, I just think Oregon is done a pretty good job with him from what i've heard um so the last guy won't really talk too much about him on defense jake pope was a once-time notre dame lean looks like that's not the case now he's set to announce um sometime um don't know when um but i don't think the irish are going to be in on this one so in terms of safety you're looking at nwanka <laughs> nwankpa or bust uh, we're getting better with names. Let's move to the offense because this is the only thing that needs to be completed in this class really is the offensive side of the ball. We'll start with the big man. Uh, before he visited Notre Dame at the end of June, nobody thought Zach Rice and Notre Dame was going to happen, which blew my mind because Notre Dame is O-line you. They were better than m- most of the other teams in his top five. And if you want to compete – 
and get drafted as an offensive lineman, Notre Dame is usually your best bet. For some reason, people felt like he didn't really have Notre Dame that high, but all reports from multiple different connected sources um, say that Zach Rice was so blown away by Notre Dame that he jumped Alabama and Ohio State and is directly in a dogfight. Notre Dame is in a dogfight between North Carolina and Virginia. Two odd schools, you would think, but he is from that area. So I think Notre Dame has a really good shot here out of nowhere. Because if the competition is UNC and UVA, yes, they've got the local thing. But you've got the brand. You've got the draft. You've got the competition, right? If Alabama and Ohio State are out of it, you basically assume those arguments. You take over the we're the best of what's remaining for competition. I feel pretty good here. I'm not going to say we're going to win it, but I think this is a – I think the Notre Dame is really, really in this one, and we could pull it off. I agree with that, but then there's the creeping kind of natural negative fan that that uh, that that I've tried to suppress over the past couple of years, but he bubbles up every once in a while. And I'm thinking Zach Rice is the number seven prospect in the entire nation. He's a five star through and through. He is going to be a second round pick or better, more likely than not a first round pick, especially if he goes to Notre Dame, because uh, we know that we can churn those guys out. Now, what's holding me up is if you look at the offensive line of, ahead of him, the depth chart ahead of him, we, we have a, tr- we have Don't a true say fresh- it. I know. I, I mean, Don't say it. <laughs> I know. I, that, it's just like... Listen, Steve, Steve. There are two tackle positions on the offensive line. And one of them is taken up by a true freshman who's going to start for at least three years. And the other one's going to be Zach Rice. Uh, and, and, and that's very well maybe the case. But now you have Tosh Baker, who's six foot eight, three hundred pounds, that you have to move yeah. around. And that's then true. you also have, uh, oh my God, blanking um, Michigan, Minnesota kid. No, or Michigan you, or fre- freshman last year, or f- true freshman this year. Right. Um, well, now you got me blanking too. Yeah. Um, he's our boy too. Oh my God, Steve. How could yeah, you? Yeah, I have. Rocco Spindler. Spindler, yes. Why? Yes. He's our favorite. He's I love our favorite guy. How could we yeah. forget that? Especially, That's I mean, favorite. the story with him, like, talking with his grandfather and making him that promise. I mean, I, I absolutely love the guy. And it, now Rocco, being smaller than Tosh Baker, who is the – he's Andre the Giant. Um, Rocco is, is a lot easier to move inside to guard uh, or even oh, center. He's, he's playing guard anyway. There, yeah. He's not playing tackle. The, so, the debate is does – Rice stay right tackle or does Rice move to guard? But Rice is eventually going to play tackle because Fisher is going to probably leave after three years. I, I I understand where you're coming from, but he said, and to the dismay of a lot of Notre Dame fans for who for some reason really don't like the coach, but he said Jeff Quinn, the offensive line coach, he feels that Jeff Quinn can coach him and develop him better than anyone. And for some reason, Notre Dame fans got mad at that. But that's neither here nor there. If he believes that, that is a very good sign. But uh, you know what? You are right, though. It is a tough depth chart. I think I think that's going to be up to Kelly and co. to pitch that to him. But I think we're in it. And I feel like a lot of people didn't realize that. Yeah. And then, I mean, so if it's not us, it's going to be UNC. I don't think he stays with Virginia, to be frank. Um, yeah. UN, UNC is at least building something. Uh, I mean, 
Nick Saban has an embarrassment of riches on his team. He has more five stars than he can count. And his, you know, he he said that his pitch to guys, even though he's got, you know, a million cornerbacks or a million wide receivers or quarterbacks or running backs that are all, you know, high four stars or five stars, and he's still going after you know, and, and signing those guys, he'll tell them straight out, one, worst case scenario, if you can't cut it here, you can transfer. Not a big deal. And and now it's immediate transfer rules, so it's not like you have to lose a year. Two, you're going up against the best competition. It's going to make you a better player. Look at the defensive line prospects that Notre Dame is signing. Look at what we have signed. Look at the, the offensive line prospects we've put into the NFL. We are O-line you. We have the infrastructure put in place where – yeah, maybe he's not going to be guaranteed to basically walk in and start like Blake, like Blake Fisher is, but he's going to be a better player for it in the long run. So, I mean, that's that's the pitch that they have to make and just say, hey, Zach, listen, we know you're you're the dude. You know, you're a top 10 prospect. You're the number one tackle in the nation. But, you know, you're going to have to come here and you're going to have to earn it. And in the process of earning it, you are going to become 10 times a better player because look at who you, who we have around you that you're going to be practicing against. And I think that's the only saving grace that we have. If it's just from a pure depth chart perspective, it's going to be UNC. If he can think a little bit more uh, thoroughly and, and more comprehensively at, at what we just discussed, I think that we are clearly the better choice. But it's up to that young man to make whatever choice is going to be best for him. I hope to see him with a gold helmet on. Yeah, no, there's. We'll just leave it there because that's that's a perfect way to to end his segment because that would be a huge addition. Let's move to the controversial wide receiver group. Um, everybody needs to hold their horses here because once these two kids commit to Notre Dame, we will have gone from the wide receiver class is falling and Don and and Dell Alexander needs to be fired to holy shit, Dell Alexander is a recruiting god because. Borderline five-star C.J. Williams is committing in early August. Every crystal ball and future cast pick out there is for Notre Dame. He is a California kid out of Modern Day High School, one of the best, if not like the That's total where best. St. Brown came from, the entire St. Brown clan. He's playing against college athletes basically every day. He's committing August 8th. He had just announced that today. Um, okay, for you... Is it a is it a lock and how important is he for Notre Dame? Uh, pretty much a lock and extraordinarily important. Six two one ninety three. Yeah, we we need that guy that's going to be in the field and the boundary. I I feel like, uh, you know, you can. He's recruit. He's recruited at slot actually. Is They're recruiting him to, to, to at the start. That's kind of like what Chase Claypool did for the first little bit. They want him out in the slot because he can be a mismatch. Which I, I mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. You know, to ease him into college football. And and of course, develop them later into a fielder or boundary receiver. Yeah, quick quicker routes, easier to get open. You know, catch the ball and run with it. Um, yeah, six six two one ninety three in the slot is is a little bit more oversized. Hopefully, he has the agility. And if he's a top one hundred guy, he's out of modern day. He he's probably going to have some sort of athleticism, I would imagine. But he he's he's incredibly important. I'd say he's pretty much locked up. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself with that. But um, and CJ. I, words can't express how much we need him to sign on the dotted line. And if he does, presumably, um, it, it's it's a massive get. People just, again, you'll see the four-star and just think, oh, this will be a guy that gets on the field as a redshirt you know, sophomore. Yep. It, very, very much so uh, going to be earlier than that, in my opinion. Well, to complement that is a six-foot-four speed demon in Tobias Merriweather, Notre Dame is leaning over Oregon. 
how important is that one as well? And do you think the Irish pull that one off? Because it looks like he's going to take his time on this decision. Yeah, it's it's been back and forth. Um, you know, he's from Washington. He originally said that the only college he's ever visited as an unofficial was Notre Dame. Um, and I think that had something to do with him just seeing them play on, on Saturdays because of the NBC deal. Not a big deal. Um, so uh, his family, his dad told him, hey, we can afford to go to one on, on one you know visit, basically unofficial. Where do you want to go? He chose Notre Dame. That was as a junior. Um, now, as a senior, we're heading into his senior year. We've got the lean. Uh, he was he started leaning our way. Then he was leaning back to Oregon. Now he's come back around. So I'm less confident in him. It seems like he can kind of flip flop back and forth. But it's all part of of letting these young gentlemen kind of make uh, make the, their best decision. But he would be great. I mean, I would I would absolutely love to have Tobias uh, and just stack up as many talented guys on the on the edge that we can. I, I, yeah, I'll say seventy percent. We land them. Um, high but not lock and I think he's huge as well um, a guy Notre Dame has been at once was thought of a lock and now is leading Wisconsin and now might be back in a 50-50 Billy Shrouth guard from the state of Wisconsin this is a Notre Dame Wisconsin battle um, a how important is this and b because I know we want to get out of here so we'll just rapid fire it who does he sign with he's gonna sign with Wisconsin and I'm perfectly okay with that we have ooh. Okay. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. We have we I have so many guys. We have we have an embarrassment of riches on the offensive line. Tackle is always at a premium, so that's why I'm, I would much more more prefer Rice. Yep. yep. If we get him, great. If we don't, great. I think I think I'm a little higher on how important he is than you are, and I think Notre Dame has a better shot than you think. But I do agree the tackle. Look at this class already with Tonona and Shan can be versatile, and Craig can be versatile. Uh, we're fine on the interior. I would love Shrouth because he is an elite guard. I think Notre Dame might get him. But yes, he is less important than tackles. And then lastly, Emil Wagner. He's from Ohio State. All the reports are is that he, if Ohio State let him commit, he would commit in a heartbeat. I don't think Ohio State really wants him. He's a tackle. Um, rated as a four-star guy. I think Notre Dame would be his backup choice um, if Ohio State either takes too long or just says no to him because Ohio State has got some other targets there. This would be a good pickup too. I know people for some reason aren't as high on him. Um, I get where they're coming from, but adding a tackle in a premium position is huge. So from my perspective, I'll say he's not overly important because we have Rice and Shrouth ahead of him in terms of who we need to get. But I think Notre Dame gets him if Notre Dame really wants him because I don't think Ohio State's going to take him, and I think Notre Dame will have to decide between him and someone else. So that's where I stand there. Do you have any other thoughts on Wagner or any of the other prospects? I'd much rather have Wagner than Shrouth. Um, you know, basically the same size, you know, 6'5 versus 6'6. Six, six. So, you know, that that's just short enough where if he wants to move into, a, you know, as a guard, he certainly can. Um, he's the number 11 tackle. I mean, he's uh, he's 116th nationally. Again, anytime you have a guy 150 or better, like that's an absolute baller. So would I take him? Absolutely. In a heartbeat, I would take him much more uh, willingly than Shrouth. Um, I doubt that we would get him uh, because I just feel like at a certain point, Ohio State is just going to say, hey, listen, you know, a bird in the hand is the bush. Let's just take what we, you know, a, a proven thing that we can get. Uh, but 
yeah, I'll be pleasantly surprised and, and happy if we can pull them. Yeah, so I think we listed about 10 prospects there. That's what Notre Dame's down to. We only got a, a target list of 10. It's small. We can focus in on them. We can move to 2023. I think we're going to get a lot of those guys. Um, there's a plan to take a fourth receiver. We don't know who yet. It could be the Canadian kid um, from Medicine Hat, Alberta. It could be uh, Bradshaw, the slot receiver. Um, it could be somebody else. It could be Green Jr. if he's interested in Notre Dame. Um, and Andre at this point, Green seems to be pretty high on Notre Dame, and I would love to have that kid at 6'3", 175. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure how that recruitment is going. I know there were some crystal balls kind of leaning for him. I don't know if that's still fresh. Um, I know running back is probably a no right now, but if someone breaks out, that could be something to look at too. But basically, you're at um, 10 recruits left on the board. And if you hold your own, and let's say you win eight of those 10 battles, you've got a 27-man class, um, if my math is right there. And let's say, for example, Steve, Nwankpa, Lucas, and Rice all commit to Notre Dame. I still think Jalen Sneed is better. <laughs> That's how Jaylen high Sneed, I am. I, it's, it, it's, it's hard to, to, to really explain to people just how good this kid's going to be. I'm um, so but high I mean, if, if we were go, if we get Anthony Lucas, Xavier Wonkba and Zach Rice, that's like a signing a class. Think like Miami in like 2000. Like that's how good of a class Lethal. that is. We're moving like, towards a unstoppable 45 point offense, right? This explosive Alabama Clemson. You know what? Marcus Freeman might revolutionize the momentum swing back to the defense. You know, by the time everyone catches up to that style of offense, Marcus Freeman may have changed college football with the recruiting he's done and the style he's done. He's going to be using a lot of rotation. He's going to be using a lot of blitzes. He's going to be um, tenacious with, with how he coaches and how he demands from his players. And I'm just so excited about that. And I think kind of, before we go here, because I know we wanted this to be short, but it's so hard because we love talking to you guys and we love talking to each other because um, it is COVID and I haven't seen a human being in about seven years. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to list off some big names in 2023 for you guys to consider because there is a big cookout at Brian Kelly's place, I think, this weekend or something, and a lot of 23 recruits. Number one, without question, is Dante Moore, five-star quarterback out of Michigan. Um Everyone in Ann Arbor kind of thinks he's going to Michigan. I don't think so. I think Notre Dame is I think Notre Dame is going to win that one because I expect Notre Dame to be good and I expect Michigan to be bad and that will be that. They um, were 2 and 4. They can't beat their rival. They are an abysmal program. They're not getting Dante Moore. And and he's not naturally from Detroit either. I think he's more of an export to Detroit, so it's not like I think he actually grew up a Buckeyes fan, but the Buckeyes just got the number 1 quarterback in this class. So I don't think they're going to be too hard on him. So I think Notre Dame's got a very, very good shot there. I would say Arch Manning. We don't know if he's actually considering us, but he's going to go to the SEC. Let's call it. He is. And and Malachi Nelson just signed with Oklahoma or committed to Oklahoma. So look, Dante Moore is the guy. Number two for me, A.J. Harris, a five-star cornerback. He's lived all over. He's from a military family. He's currently in Alabama. His father was a Notre Dame fan. I believe he's a Notre Dame fan. He has said in interviews he wants a program that will develop him as a person as well as a football player, and he grew up a Notre Dame fan. 
Now, don't get me wrong. We are up against tough competition here. Georgia, Clemson, Alabama. I think Notre Dame's going to win that one, too. I think Coach Mickens and Marcus Freeman are going to make an excellent pitch, and they are going to land a five-star corner. There's a few on the board. I think A.J. Harris is the most important one. I would say he's the number two most important recruit for Notre Dame in 23, and I think they have a good shot at landing him. Um, Three and four, to me, are going to be the wide receivers. Um, you got Carnell Tate. That's a Notre Dame-Ohio State battle. He's from Chicago. And then there's Jalen Brown. He is a burner recent five-star composite player another huge one for notre dame to get if you add these one of those two if you add both of them notre dame is going to be very very tough to beat especially with the offensive line we have protecting the quarterbacks that we have yes so more names out there just to get you guys to do your own research to get you maybe you're not interested in recruiting and this has piqued your interest uh, Montgomery, this is a offensive line or defensive line prospect out of Ohio, out of Ohio. That's Notre Dame Ohio State battle, and then of course the biggest one between Notre Dame and Ohio State. I'd probably rank them as our fourth or fifth most important target. Sonny Styles, Lorenzo's younger brother. That's another Notre Dame Ohio State battle. That's one I think Notre Dame's going to win as well. Um, oh yeah, well, he's still, leaning right now. ND. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we'll win Montgomery. I think Ohio State wins that one, but I think we win Styles. And then, of course, there is the Indiana linebacker, five-star prospect, Drake Bowen. So these are just the five-star guys I'm telling you about. And there's about seven, and I think Notre Dame is probably the favorite for six of them, maybe five. Just think about that for a second. Notre Dame has not signed more than one five-star since 2009. or 2013. They got more than one? Yeah, uh, we had two in 2013 and then two in 2011. That was Redfield and, and Jalen. Right. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had multiple since 20. Well, Max Redfield played like a one star. So exactly. So <laughs> I, I like Redfield. I think he was not developed properly. But point being here, Notre Dame has not recruited this many five stars and have been competitive for this many five stars in a long time. So if you guys liked what we were talking about, about 2022, talking about that being the best class of the Kelly era. You are in for a roller coaster in 23, baby, because we are going to beat Ohio State probably three out of four times for these Ohio kids and one kid from Chicago and Carnell Tate. That's a huge battle. And if you top it off with the quarterback, Dante Amore, I I cannot express how exciting this program has become. Do you? Ha- I've been talking for a while, Steve. What 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 are your thoughts on 23? I mirror every sentiment you have. Obviously, I mean we're basically the same brain at this point in time. We've been doing this for so long. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. It, it's it's so crazy to think that we can go um, 269 as a total recruiting score and a top 10 class in 2021. We're, we're probably going to be over 280 and potentially upwards of, of 300 for a class uh, as, a, as a total conglomerate score. And, and just to put that into perspective, like, Basically, anything 285 or above is Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Texas, LSU, USC on their on, in their best years. Ohio State, like Clemson. Any if you're getting to 285 and above as a rated class, you are going to be playing in the playoffs. That's it's practically a guarantee. We have a chance to do that in back to back years in 22 and 23 coming off of massive success with Kelly's third best ever class last year in, in the year 2021. So, I mean, we've been building at this for a long time, you know, and there's so much that is 
there's just so much upside. There's so much to be excited for. And that's why I love recruiting is because it's not just in the here and now it's, it's thinking out in the future, thinking three, four steps ahead, chess moves, you know, beating out, you know, building pipelines in the state of Ohio, building pipelines in the state of Michigan. Um, you know, you know, there's just so much possibility that it's, and especially if we are to land four or five, five star guys next year, we we talk all the time about about getting to the promised land. It's it's literally in in the intro to our podcast where I say that I can't do it anymore. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> and I think we're we're almost there. It's like it's finding so the lost city of Atlantis. But we like we ha- we have the map. We have the map. We just yeah. have to go on the journey at this point. And and that's what it feels like. Just to give you guys a frame of reference, if Notre Dame were to get five of those five-star prospects I told you about, like five of the seven, which would be outrageous, but I do believe we are in serious contention for all of them. Very serious. Notre Dame could have the number one rated, not like in our opinion, the number one like composite recruiting class for the first time in their history. That That is how good the 23 class is. So I think this podcast was mainly for to get you guys uh, familiar with who is coming in the 2022 class, who is left on the board, and to prime you for 2023 because there is so much excitement around Notre Dame. We alluded to it at the beginning. There is something we should say before we sign off here, and I've decided to give it an appropriate amount of weight compared to the importance of minor recruiting updates. And that is, of course, Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC. Um, Steve, in four words, what are your thoughts on that move? I just don't care. There you go. <laughs> if if it turns into a super league or something, then we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. But anyone who thinks this is going to force Notre Dame into a conference, you are in for a surprise. We are independent. We will stay independent as long as we breathe, with the exception of COVID rules. And that was part of the playoff expansion, right? We go to 12 so we can always get away in with multiple losses now. We're not going anywhere. All it did was make the SEC... Like, sure, they're better, but the SEC was already the best conference in the world. Who who cares? You've just basically eliminated one of them from, well, a 14 playoff, but by that time it'll be 12. So, yeah, it's going to be murderer's row for the SEC, but they're already the best conference. Yeah, anyway. but they're going to self-cannibalize there, man. They will. And, and look, Oklahoma and Texas are going to make a lot more money, and they will have access to a better conference, so they could recruit better. But I think it could backfire because that mystique – of being the top of the Big 12 and having a buy, an automatic buy for Oklahoma basically every year to the playoff in a 12-team playoff, that's gone, right? You're just now an other, you're just another SEC team, right? You're just Georgia, you're just Florida, you're just Auburn, you're LSU. Oklahoma, and don't get me wrong, Oklahoma's a blue blood unlike those other ones, but Oklahoma as a team or as a program today isn't much more exciting than Florida or Georgia or LSU. What You haven't made yourself unique. You've just... You've assimilated yourself into, sure, a culture of dominance, a culture of winning, and a culture of just absolute savage teams. But is that going to help you in the recruiting trail? If you don't have your conference, your Mickey Mouse conferences, championships, what are you what are you selling to teams? And for Texas, look, I get it. Texas is Texas. They are technically the biggest brand, according to Forbes, because of the conference tie-ins and because of the bigger stadium. But, like... If you can't win the Big 12, why are you going to the SEC? And yes, it's money. You guys are going to scream at me from the other end. It's money, money, money. Of course it is. But as a football perspective on competition and recruiting, 
I don't know if this is going to have the effect they hope it does. Yeah, I mean, ooh, they're going to make a, another couple hundred million dollars on top of their billion-dollar endowment already. Ooh, money, sweet. I will empty out my bank account right now if it means I can guarantee a Notre Dame national championship. I do not fucking care about money. <laughs> I don't care about money. Money comes and goes. It's yep. easy to get. It keeps coming. And it, maybe as long this, as you work for it. So like, it, it, I just maybe I, this eats into Alabama. Maybe this helps slow down and eventually kill that dynasty. Which I'm I'm all for it. Right? There's less. There's more talent to share. There's it's more. It's not m- just the dynasty I want to kill. Oh, hey, oh. You know, you had earlier made a joke about Alabama and counting, and do you know how hard it was for me not to make an Alabama counting joke? <laughs> That's the kind of maturity and high road we take here at the Four Horsemen podcast. But anyway, that's our thoughts on it. Notre Dame's going nowhere. We're not joining the ACC. We're not joining any of your crap. I put out a thread on why. If I had to, I'd pick the Big Ten under strict conditions that would make no sense for the Big Ten. Because yeah, they would in- have to bend over backwards for us, which is exactly what you should yeah, be you, you, you would have to play by different rules. You would be like, okay, all you guys have to play by these conference rules while Notre Dame can schedule whoever the hell they want. That's basically my demands, and you're not going to accept it, and I'm not going to join your conference. We are independent because of our resilience and our innovation in the early 20th century. People would not play us. We forced ourselves up by our own bootstraps, and we've become larger than college football. Is that ridiculous? Of course it is. But you got to remember, we are a propaganda, borderline parody podcast, and you have spent an hour listening to us. So who's the sucker? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, this is not parody. Like, I will. Nope. I was going to make a dark joke there. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, we we are. Look, we're we we exaggerate, but we're very serious when we say Notre Dame recruitment is unreal. The program's in a healthy state. That's all legitimate. Right. Um, But. You know, we're homers. We're homers like you guys. And and that's why we love you. And uh, and you guys keep supporting us. And look, we hit the 1,000 mark since our last podcast. And we're now at 1,200. We're close to 1,300 now. Um, the growth we've felt since just a year has been outrageous. Um, and we couldn't do it without you guys. So I don't know if you have anything else left to say, Steve. But I think I'd like to leave it on a good note there. Um, yeah, we... We've added over 350 followers since the last time we had a podcast. I mean, the growth has been fantastic. And and thank you for all the engagement with everyone. Uh, what we will ask for for uh, for every listener, old and new, especially new guys, um, head on over to the Apple, iTunes, whatever it is. Uh, give us a rating. Would hope that you give five us stars. Uh, five stars. Yeah. What? Five okay. stars. It's got to yeah, be five exactly. stars because five, of five stars. The, length, the length we go to to make – you guys laugh. Yeah. Just outrageous. And here's what happens. It, and it really screws with us is uh, either myself or Dylan will just like tweet random things at random people just to piss them off or get under their skin. And then they'll see that we have a podcast in our bio and then they'll go into the bio and, and then like go to the podcast and then give us like a one star review and then just shit talk us. So we need to counteract that with our true authentic fans who actually listen. So give us just give us a pat on the back it's going to take 10 seconds out of your day and uh if you want to roast me personally and my nasally ugly voice uh i will read the funniest comments of of whatever your uh, itunes review would be so doors open for whoever wants to be featured on the show look nil is new territory for us even (laughs) (laughs) anyway guys thank you of course as always um 
it, it's it means a lot for us to have an audience and to have people to engage with. I know, especially during these crazy times, um, and to talk to you about the excitement of Notre Dame football right now, but recruiting in the middle of uh, July, like we're almost near August now. That's fun. That's a that's a great community we got going on, and uh, we can't thank you enough for it. And if you're a fan of the other team, yes, we're over the top, but you know we're we're fun. So look forward to our um, season preview. That's going to come out probably in later August. That's probably the next episode, and then the week before Florida State, we're going to have our Florida State buddy on. We're going to do a preview with the Knowles, and uh, I cannot wait for the season to start, guys. So for me and Steve and P wagon. Go Irish. Go Irish.